Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know how to navigate the ever-changing marketing jungle. Today, I'll be joined by John Loomer, and we're going to explore how to navigate the crazy changing world of meta ads, also known as Facebook and Instagram ads. There's been a lot of changes and there are a lot of changes coming. If you're into paid acquisition or even if you're not, I think you're going to find today's interview very, very interesting. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with John Loomer. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by John Loomer. If you don't know who John is, you got to know John. He trains and consults advanced marketers on Facebook and Instagram ads to maximize their profits through the use of meta ads. His membership is called the Power Hitters Club. John, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, doing great, Mike. Happy to be back. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. We'll talk about that in just a second. But today, John and I are going to explore how to prepare for the changing world of meta ads, also known as Facebook and Instagram and whatever else Facebook happens to own. So, John, although we've seen each other at Social Media Marketing World in recent years, it's been a good long while since you were on the show back in 2015. So what I'd love to hear is a little bit about like catch us up on what's going on with John Loomer. And some people obviously don't know who you are. So just give us a little bit of background and start wherever you want to start. Yeah, it's been a journey. And for those who don't know, you know, I've been focused on advanced, what it was originally Facebook advertising techniques since really 2011, when I launched my website. And I feel really fortunate that I started it then because my strength was really writing and my joy was in writing. And I had a lot of time on my hands. I just wrote, 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 wrote for like two years straight. And even though I had no idea how to start a business, my business took off and it was amazing. Honestly, like I, I'm so grateful for that happening because basically this is also during a time my three boys were getting older. I want to spend more time with them. I want to coach their baseball teams, as you know, and it just all just came together. And so it, it allowed me to do all those things I really wanted to do. And yeah, 2015, 2016 were kind of the peaks of my business. It was just going crazy. And things continued to go well. And honestly, I, I just maintained something around that level for a few years, just trying to get my kids through high school, basically. Then honestly, the, the pandemic hit. And that, I think, really my reaction to it probably, accelerated what was likely inevitable eventually, 
right? So I had already been in this thing for about 10 years doing what I was doing. So, and I was spending more and more of my time coaching these baseball teams. It was really high pressure, stressful stuff. The result of that was my business was already starting to suffer a little bit. And then when the pandemic hit, I just remember getting emails from people from across the world, like, you know, their business is suffering, they're losing their job, you know, this and that. And now I'm supposed to sell to them. (laughs) And I know lots of businesses handled that differently. For me, it was really hard. And I really kind of went into a dark place and that accelerated this downturn for me. But again, my focus was on blogging. I really didn't want to get into video. (laughs) And then, but it came painfully clear just as like the stars aligned, my youngest son, I was coaching him for the last summer before he went on to high school. My older kids are moving on to college or, or were in college. And my life was about to change because I was going to have a lot of time to work and no longer coach. And it was that point. So it was the summer of 2022 where it's like, I have to make a change. And that change was short form video. And it was painful at first because it's something I was truly not comfortable doing. But so I've, I've really flipped it. You know, my thing was blogging. I still blog. But this last year, I've published more than 500 short form videos and gotten comfortable with it. And it's really, you know, kind of turned my business around. And I feel like I'm in a much better place now. But it's been an adventure to get here for sure. Well, tell us a little bit about where you've been publishing these videos and what you've been What's the substance of the videos that you've been publishing? So really, you know, my background is educational. Like I want to tell you how to run Facebook ads, meta ads, whatever we're calling them. And it's a very deep topic. It's basically one minute shorts, right? I started it on TikTok. I use the same video in all places and it works for me. So to TikTok, to Facebook and Instagram reels, to LinkedIn, to YouTube shorts, I even have a section on my website for them now too. And this, this is one of the challenges for me is not only was it hard in the beginning, just getting comfortable with video, but I'm wordy. You can even probably see it here. It's hard for me to get to the point in one minute. So that's, that's been something that I've, I've learned finding my process and how I do it and be succinct and really become a better communicator. I think that's been really good for me as well. And mostly are you talking about the news on these videos? I mean, is that essentially, or are you just talking about like, here's how to do certain things inside of Ads manager? Yeah, it's really a combination. So yeah, news, new features, what's happening with Meta, you know, all this stuff that's happening in the EU, talking about that, but also talking about specific strategies, things that are working, things that aren't working, how things have changed. A lot of the stuff that maybe we'll even be talking about here, but like little one minute bite-sized bits. Very cool. I can relate to the writer trying to embrace video because I've been doing that, but I haven't been doing short form. I've been doing, I guess, medium form. I've been doing like 10, 12 minute videos and they're a little rambly. And I just know that my thing is writing, you know, or long form media like this, which is much more up my alley. So what I'm hearing you say is you started messing around with video and you have found it to be very successful. And now as a result of this video, I know that you've been getting a lot of opportunities, right? So for example, I've started to notice other newsletters referencing your work. Maybe more people went back to your blog and started following or subscribing to your newsletter. Are you finding that to be true as well? Yeah, you know, I noticed it pretty quickly. 
that, and look, video, short form video, it's hard to measure the impact, especially if you don't have CTAs all over the place using, right. you know, shortened links and all that stuff. But w- one thing I kept seeing was people would book one-on-ones with me. People would sign up for membership and they would tell me specifically, you know what, just so you know, I'm here because of your videos. And in some cases, these were people who have been on my list for years, my email list for years. Maybe they were even a member like five, 10 years ago. And now they've come back. It's like, oh yeah, John's, John's here. He's back. Even though I didn't really go anywhere, anywhere technically. So that was a big part of it. But I, I've absolutely seen that evolution. And like, it, what's great is it kind of brought my Facebook page back to life. Instagram, I really wasn't using except for as an ad placement. And now, you know, it's becoming a really important source for me. YouTube, I kind of ventured away from. Now I'm using it again. LinkedIn, TikTok, I was completely like, I'll never use TikTok. And now I've got like 27,000 followers on TikTok, which is insane to me. Very cool. So it's just been a like, I never would have dreamed that I would be doing this if you had asked me a year and a half ago. It's been interesting. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that story. I know that's going to be inspiring for a lot of people. All right. Facebook ads has changed a lot. You know, what we call meta ads now, just like over the last year or a couple of years, what are the big things that really have been impacting what's been changing with Facebook and paid acquisition? I think you really have to start with iOS 14. So that's, you know, 2021, right? Because that's when you start losing attribution, Meta starts taking away some interests. Meta starts, they're, they're under fire for privacy issues and things like that. So targeting at that point starts getting fuzzier and fuzzier. The results that Facebook provides start getting fuzzier and fuzzier. There's a little bit you know, less of an inside look at what's actually going on and some less transparency, right? So that was kind of the start of it. But really, over the last year and a half or so, the biggest changes have been around expanding audiences to start. So you had advantage detailed targeting, advantage look like audience. So as advertisers, one thing I've had to accept myself, and I know a lot of advertisers are struggling with, one of the things that made us valuable is finding what are these targeted these audiences that we should use that are going to give us the best results, these levers that we pull. Well, now we're providing those and Meta's automatically expanding that audience too. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll use that. We'll learn from that. But we'll also go broader as well and reach people beyond that. So that started happening. And really that was partially due to advancements in machine learning and AI. Before we really started hearing more and more about AI, these are some of the things that, that Meta was doing. So, and then kind of move, moving forward a little bit more, this has just been continuing to progress down that path of less and less control for the advertiser, more and more automation, machine learning. Also, actually, the algorithm just getting smarter and less transparency along the way. So what we also saw was Advantage Plus shopping campaigns within the last year. That's basically stripping away all targeting and meta learning from your, your pixel, your conversion history, and other the buying habits of users generally to find your, your target audience for you. And those have been effective for, for e-com. This is, this is really for e-com. 
And we've seen that same model applied to advantage plus audience now, which is really pretty similar to what I discussed with the expanded audiences. It's kind of a middle ground between the expanded audience and what advantage plus shopping campaign targeting is. If you want, you can provide targeting suggestions. Otherwise, Meta is going to just go broadly and find the people most likely to perform your action for you. Again, kind of starting with your pixel activity, conversion history, people have engaged with your stuff before. So it's really taking away this control. But at the same time, if it works, makes you more efficient too. Because we wasted a lot of time and energy trying to find all these ideal audiences and whatnot. And a lot of time we were probably making it harder for ourselves with some of the things we did. So, but this is the direction we're certainly heading now. And that's just getting started. That's just talking about targeting. There's just so much happening on the advantage and advantage plus. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely get into that. That brings us up to kind of the present. I'd love to hear where things are going. Like looking into the future, where do you see the management of ads on meta heading? I think, you know, to predict the future, it's just follow, following the trends. Right. right. So that's that's why I'm like, when talking to any advertisers who are really struggling to embrace these changes, because they, they really want to keep doing things the way they always have, a point is this, we're heading in this direction, you probably won't have a choice in the future. You might not even be able to provide any targeting inputs anymore, even as a suggestion. I'm not saying I know that's for a fact going to happen. That's the trend line we're on, though. I mean, that's what we see with Advantage Plus Shopping. So if Meta applies what they're doing with Advantage Plus Shopping across all other objectives, we have no targeting. And being okay with that and embracing it. That's got to scare the heck out of people that do this, right? Absolutely. And it has been scaring them already, you know, just these changes that have happened so far. But I think, but right now they have a choice. They can say, oh, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it the manual way. They still can't. I don't think it's going to keep being that way because again, we're moving more and more towards the machine learning being smarter than we are or making decisions much faster than we can. The algorithm, you could make the argument a few years ago, wasn't very smart, right? So it's, yeah, we, we had to overcome the weaknesses of the algorithm by manually doing all these certain things. But that's, it's just going to get smarter and smarter as we go. And more and more of it is going to be kind of trusting that it's doing the right thing. So in terms of managing ads, I think targeting is going to be less, far less important than, it's, than it ever was before. The people who put a lot of focus on placements, Meta's already trying to prevent us from changing placements as it is that's probably going to completely go away to be able to remove placements. And define that, what that means for people that don't know what that means. Yeah, so placements, there are multiple places your ads can show be shown to reach your target audience. So various places within Facebook, including the newsfeed, which is what everybody knows about. Then also on, on Instagram. Messenger, probably, right? Messenger, et cetera. Yep. Got it. Okay. And probably one day threads, to be honest. So things like that likely going away. But as an advertiser, our focus is going to be more and more on attribution. So meaning making sure that ads, our ads can get credit for an ad because Meta has the proper data, our first party data that we own, right? So that's via the, the conversions API 
in most cases. Whatever's going to happen with the pixel, who knows? Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit later. So we have the conversions API. So attribution is be really important, but it's not just for the reporting side. It's for optimization because if Meta knows that a conversion happened, it impacts how, the adjustments it can make with show, showing ads to people. So that's going to be a very important job for us. It already is, but it's be, be going to become more and more important, especially as all the privacy stuff continues to go down. And then the, really the creative side. So sure, on the creative side, we're seeing a lot of AI images and, and this and that, but that's really where our focus is right now, where we make the biggest impact. Does our ad copy and creative attract our ideal audience or is it very general? Does it inspire the action that we want in our copy and creative? Do we know what we're doing there? So those, I think, are the going to be the primary focus. The other thing is, like, look, if everything is easier for anyone to run ads, which has been the argument, like, oh, no, agencies are, are, are going to die. Well, it is an auction. So if it's easier, all that does is raise the bar. How do you win those auctions against everybody else if it's easier th for them now? Create a better ad, right? Got to create a better ad, right. Do so you think video, video is going to be a part of this? I think so. I, look, I think. The, the platforms and user behavior impact a lot of that, right? So the focus right now is on video, partially because that's what people engage with, partially because that's what the platforms has decided is going to be hot. That's what retains users. But maybe there becomes a point where we're all sick of videos. Right. I don't know. Right. And it's going to be something else. But So I don't want to say that, yeah, for the next five, 10 years, it's going to be videos. That's where we are right now. Yeah. For sure. Well, and technically videos that are authentic, not AI generated, right? Where it's a human talking right now, at least are probably going to potentially outperform a, a video that looks like an advertisement. Don't you think? Yeah. I think, you know, when we talk about AI and what works for ads, it's, it's, it's a matter of understanding the strengths and weaknesses. Like you see, you hear a lot of people who, you know, bash say ChatGPT, for example, and they focused primarily on the weaknesses rather than the strengths of it. Same thing with meta ads, algorithm AI as well. There are absolutely weaknesses. You got to understand what those weaknesses are. And there are strengths too. And when it comes to AI generated content, if all you do is take shortcuts to have AI generate all of your content for you. That's going to be the lowest common denominator, right? Because exactly. everyone else is using the same exact AI to do the same thing, right? And we're seeing a lot of that already. We're just getting flooded with what is obviously AI generated content and comments and spam. And it's like, oh my God. And we're in trouble, honestly, when the AI generated scams actually get better because they're still super easy to detect, you know? But yeah, it is. You're, like you said, it's the lowest common denominator. So how do you stand out? You actually sometimes have to do stuff manually. You know, that's, that's kind of the way I see it. Okay. So obviously there's a lot of factors that have changed meta ads over the last few years. And there's a lot of factors that will continue to change that you just talked about. In light of this disruption, if you will, to the way people create ads and manage ads on the meta platforms, how should we embrace change? What should we do? Let's talk about that a little bit. I've been resistant to a lot of the changes. First of all, anything where it takes away control is hard for someone who's been a control freak with my ads. The main thing is you need to experiment and not just try it once. 
but you need to be open-minded and embrace it because the if you keep fighting it forever and say, I will never use that, it doesn't work for me, and then all of a sudden one day you're forced to use it and you don't know how to use it because you haven't been, been experimenting with it, you're setting yourself back. I mean, this is the path we're on. You can embrace it, make the best out of it, find a way to make it work for you, or you can act like it's not happening and stick your head in the sand. So what should we be experimenting with specifically? So it absolutely starts with the broad targeting stuff. So, and look, this doesn't mean you should, should always use broad targeting. When I say broad targeting, there are examples of it. So you could just manually create a campaign where you don't enter in any targeting. That's broad targeting. Or you can create an advantage plus shopping campaign where you're not allowed to enter targeting. Or you could um, use advantage plus audience where you can, if you want, provide targeting suggestions. Just experiment with those things. And it doesn't mean that's all you do. You can still do stuff the old way, especially if you think that still works best for you. But continue to experiment with it. Because the truth is, if it doesn't work, Meta won't keep using it. I mean, they'll improve it or find another solution. But they need advertisers to be successful too. So if your old manual way is always better than the new way, it's, first of all, probably unlikely. But keep experimenting. So on the targeting side there, also be open to using all placements. Like I said, that's, that's one of those areas where we need to change. If you're optimizing for a conversion, let me plead to everyone out there as an advertiser, if you're optimizing for any type of conversion, feel free to leave all placements on. So advantage plus placements, because the way the algorithm works, it's going to do everything it can to get you most of that thing that you're optimizing for at the lowest cost. If you are removing placements, you're restricting the algorithm, you're driving up the cost for yourself. The only time you should remove placements is when there are weaknesses in certain placements for what, for your optimization event. It's a whole other topic, but that's top of the funnel stuff. So link clicks, landing page views, through plays, that kind of thing. So experiment with all placements, but also experiment with the advantage plus creative side, allowing meta to... On the text side, you can provide up to five primary text options, five headlines. You can have it automatically do some enhancements to your images, turns them into videos. It can add music for your reels. Real quick, before we get into the Advantage Plus Creative, because that is definitely my next question. On the broad targeting side, if we're running an experiment, do you recommend, and I don't run ads, so I don't exactly know how this works, but is there some way to do an A-B test easily inside of Meta? And can you set an objective inside of Meta to, to test? If so, you know what should be the thing in the experiment that we should be essentially focusing on? There are a couple of ways of looking at it. So yes, you can run an A-B test, right? So you, you can run one ad set against another one where in one case, you use your manual targeting. The other one, maybe use no targeting or use advantage plus audience, split test that. Especially if you have the budget to do it and you don't, you don't mind it, fine, right? One of the issues though is like, even that split test, it's just, it's not gonna tell you exactly, well, how much of these results came from expanding the audience? It's good because when you go broad, some of that would have been your retargeting audience anyway. That's what the algorithm starts with. Right, so the true impact of that is something that Meta could display, 
and it's something I've begged for forever, you can have a breakdown where it's like, okay, I've expanded my audience. Give me one row for the, the exact audience that I targeted and all of my results and one row for when you expand the audience and all of my results. I, I'm convinced the more I, I say that, the more likely Meta is actually going to, to add that because I feel like it'd be the perfect solution. And it also shows how effective it is if it really is that great. So whether you actually split test it or just, you know, hey, this campaign, I'm creating a new campaign today. I'm just going to use Advantage Plus Audience this time instead of doing it the manual way and see how it goes. Because the truth is when you, when you run split tests, that's usually not the most efficient way to spend your budget. Because all that's really doing is finding which of these two during this period of time did better. But you're, again, restricting the audience or restricting the algorithm. So do you recommend just trying broad targeting for like a period of time and just see if it converts better than when the prior period of time? Is that kind of how you would do it? That's basically how I approach it. Yeah. I mean, if you have huge budgets, feel free. But Yeah. yeah. Okay. You mentioned Advantage Plus audience. And we're going to talk about Advantage Plus Creative a little bit, but describe what the heck Advantage Plus is. Is this some sort of thing we have to check or how does that work? And how's that different than broad targeting? First of all, Meta and its branding of everything Advantage and Advantage Plus is so insanely confusing. And I get it. (laughs) Yeah. ah, So Advantage Plus audience, not to be confused with all the other things we've talked about, essentially does this. Um, So when you go to your ad set now, I think everybody has this now. It will just say Advantage Plus audience. If you want to provide targeting suggestions, you can. But otherwise, it will use AI, machine learning, and start with your pixel data, conversion history that it has from you, people who've engaged with your ads before, and it'll just target those people and learn from that. So that is essentially broad targeting is what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? Yeah. So so the difference is originally... Because over the last year plus, we first started hearing about advertisers using broad targeting. And that was really before we had Advantage Plus Shopping and Advantage Plus Audience, where the machine learning was essentially set up to do that and do it well. But I guess it was already doing rather well before because advertisers were having success with it, where it was just the old manual way, but they were just removing all targeting. So technically, it didn't have the same machine learning behind it but it still seemed to be working pretty well. And now we've got Advantage Plus Shopping and Advantage Plus Audience where the whole, where Meta's whole purpose is to limit the amount of inputs you need to put in there and it should still give you decent results and go broader. And so that's one of the things that Meta's been pushing on us for a while, that by restricting that audience size, we are limiting our results and really the amount we can spend, which obviously Meta wants us to spend more. But by expanding it, because when you have small audiences, CPM costs can be through the roof too. So meaning the cost just to reach people right. can be through the roof, right? So a lot of times like that approach, I, I'm one of them, you know, back in the day where we like super small audiences, amazing results. Well, it also wasn't insanely expensive to reach those people. So if you're still using that, you're probably making it a lot more difficult for yourself than you know. I, I wouldn't even bother with the going completely broad anymore because that's when I say that, like the old man, manual. Just use the Advantage Plus audience is really what you're saying. We should experiment. Just use the Advantage Plus audience. So, so basically when you set that up, 
there's an audience control as well, where you can say, make sure it's in these countries and it's minimum age and exclude these certain audiences. So like if you don't want to target current customers or something like that, you've got that audience control. And then you've got the targeting suggestions if you want to provide them. And again, kind of as an old schooler myself, I feel a little bit more comfortable at least providing some suggestions. Um, so that's usually what I do. But you could experiment with no suggestions and see if it performs Absolutely. better, right? Yep, you could do that too. Probably the like the the easiest way to kind of ease into it and feel confident with it is to provide some suggestions. So like I use it as a way of like, when I would normally in the past do broad retargeting, what I mean by that is I'm not retargeting because I want to show a specific message to a specific group of people. I'm retargeting because I think that's the group of people who's, who would be most likely to respond positively to my ad, right? So that would be stuff like I'm going to target all my website visitors, all the people on my email list, maybe the people who engaged with my posts in the past, you know, that kind of thing. That's a good place to start, I think, for your targeting suggestions now with Advantage Plus audience, if you want to use them. Got it. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Okay, cool. So now to the creative side, this Advantage Plus creative thing, which you kind of alluded to a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how it works and what it can do and your experience with it. Yeah, there are several different enhancements now that Meta can make um, related to your ad copy and creative that fall under Advantage Plus Creative. And it's honestly hard to keep up. So there, first of all, text-wise, you can provide up to five different text headlines. Meta even makes recommendations based on AI. Like you'll put in a, an AI headline or text block and it'll spit out a variation of that. Kind of like a generative AI concept, right? Like ChatGPT. It really is, right? For me, I don't use them because metal in, in those AI generated text things, it, they love to use emojis and different types of language yeah. than I do. Yeah. Like it doesn't sound like me. And that, that becomes pr problematic. Your audience probably won't relate to that, right? So, right. Yeah. Or it's going to be obvious that it was AI generated, I yeah. think. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's like John doesn't talk like that. What was that? So, okay. So you got headlines. What about the rest of the text that goes in the ad? Yep. So, so those text blocks, the primary text, you can provide five suggestions there. But the, the other thing is with the image, let's just, you know, start with the images. It can use AI 
so like let's say you, you provided a certain aspect ratio it can expand the top and bottom to fit uh, so if you give it a square one it'll color in the tops and bottom kind of like what youtube does right i'm pretty sure youtube does the same thing actually with well some- it's it's a background regeneration i can't i think that's what it's called oh okay kind of like yeah adobe has the generative fill is what they call it okay yeah right so it, it makes it easier to you know provide creative without having to manually edit all this stuff to fit different placements you know wow so wait just to be clear let's say i've got a bunch of 16 by 9 pictures it'll figure out how to like make them nine by 16 or square or whatever. Right. It just, it just somehow knows is that, and it makes them look good. It's not just cropping it. It's potentially expanding. Like if it's an outdoor scene, it might figure out how to show more sky or something like that. Is that, is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. That's one of the features that has been announced within the last couple of months. You haven't seen it yet. I don't think it, I don't think it works fully like that yet where, yeah, you provide a 16 by nine. It does all those. I have seen it. With, I think, what, like what you're saying with the square. In the past, they would add little color bands on the top and bottom. Is that kind of what it's doing? I mean, it's not so much a color band. It's just like whatever colors it's using, it'll keep those colors going. I see. You know, got it, got it. To the top and bottom. So it's not like adding people's faces or anything like that that don't already exist. In yeah, yeah. It's like right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, there's blue on the top and bottom and John's wearing blue in it. If there was no blue on the top, it'd probably know John was wearing blue in the, in the image or whatever, and it'd throw blue on the top and bottom if it needed to make a square add out of it, right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be more advanced than that. But beyond that, there's there's certain things like automatically converting your images into videos or slideshows. They apply image templates. That's the biggest one that most advertisers just hate because they look terrible. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like It's almost like intentionally bad. Like, what they'll do is... And you can't say no to this stuff, right? No, Once, you can't. Oh, you, you can't. Can. Oh, okay. So you can actually go into the previews and individually say, no, I don't want to have that enhancement applied. And that's one of one of them that I still to this day, like I usually turn it off. Because basically what they do is they t- put kind of like a block at the top of your image and create a headline that's based on your headline. And it's a lot of times they use like colors that are, aren't consistent with your brand colors and stuff. It's just, this is one of the areas where I know advertisers have received a lot of complaints from the brands they advertise for because it's not consistent with their branding and it just looks bad. You also have some advertisers who talk about creating ugly ads, that ugly ads actually do work. Maybe that has something to do with it. What about video? What about the video side of things? So on the video side, yeah, like turning images into videos. What about turning videos into different dimensions and stuff like that? Is that an option or no? Yeah, yeah. No, that happens too. That happens automatically as well right now. So like if like when I submit a 9 by 16, that's more of a crop at this point. But it, it's, yeah, recreating for those other placements as well. So with this advantage plus creative, is this something that you should also experiment with? Or is this kind of a default thing that you got to turn off? Or how does that work exactly? Yeah. So be careful, right? So yes, it is one of those things that you can turn on or off when you create your ad. There's also a setting in your ad account that can say automatically apply these things for all of my ads. And so if you don't want them, make sure that's off. But yes, experiment with it. But the the biggest issue that I have with this type of feature is once again, it's really hard to figure out if it's working. Oh, because they're not going to tell you, right? Like everything else, 
these are minor tweaks. Like some of the some of the enhancements to images are like brightness and things like that, right? And they don't apply it for every single person and every single placement, every situation. It's just kind of random. So what we don't have is a breakdown of like when this was applied, you got better results. I just, I mean, you could technically again split test. I've turned all of them off here. I've turned it all on here and see if generally Advantage Plus creative works or not. But the problem is, like I said, you've got so many different enhancements right. that are involved. And this kind of goes back again to trusting the algorithm to a point. And I know people hate that, but in theory, the way that all these new features work and that it says it, you know, when they talk about it, it will only be used if they believe it can get you more and better results. Because that's ultimately the goal. It's not just to get you to spend more money. I know that's what everybody says, but they need you to get good results so that you'll spend more money, right? So as long as these enhancements will get you better results, they'll apply them. They won't always get you better results, so they won't always apply them. So a lot of times you'll see that, hey, yeah, there's just this standard thing that I submitted, the way I submitted it is going to show up too in some cases. So a couple of questions are going through my mind. Um, obviously images can have a huge impact on your ads, right? Is it going to tell you, Hey, give me more of these kinds of images and less of these kind of images. Is it going to tell you like, Hey, this text combined with this image performs really well. So you should write more of this because obviously you and me are people that love to run experiments. Right. And if you only have five, you know what I mean? You want to be able to swap out the sucky ones and put in better ones. Right. The closest we have right now, Meta's got a breakdown for the dynamic creative elements that will apply to your text options, right? So it's not the combinations, but it's like, it, it'll show you the breakdown of say the five different primary texts. Kind of which ones are converting more, that kind of thing. Right. And to me, like when you see those results, what you don't want to do is like go in and say, oh, that's not working. I'm going to delete that from the ad it's more like learning what is working so i can apply that learning to the next time i create an ad but yeah they don't have like combinations that you can see because again you, you there are probably a million different combinations just because of the way that they do it will they tell you the images that are performing better or no only if you use dynamic creative at least last i checked with advantage plus creative like the addition of all those text breakdowns for Advantage Plus Creative, that's actually pretty new as far as I know, because when that came out, you couldn't break that down at all. So dynamic creative is kind of an old concept where it would give you that. But with this new thing, it's automated. So you don't really know is what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? Right. And like all of these automations, sometimes they apply it, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they apply it a lot. Sometimes they apply it a little. And so that's... <laughs> That's part of the issue here. Okay, let's talk about attribution and tracking. I, you kind of alluded that earlier. This is uh, really important. What For people that are using like tools like WooCommerce, Shopify, all that kind of stuff versus those who are not, like what, what tips and advice do you have here on, on attribution and tracking? Yeah, so attribution is meta being able to connect your ads to conversions that actually happen, which is really good. That's important not only for your reporting to show that, that they're doing well, but Meta needs to know that it, a conversion happened so it can properly learn. Like, is this working? Is it not working? Should I make adjustments? So you've got the pixel on your website. You should have certain events firing on your websites that are important to you, to your business. So purchases, 
complete registration, there are a lot of the custom events, whatever. That's at bare minimum what you should be doing. But you should also have the API set up. There are two different types of conversions API. So what that means is this is my first party data. So this is what I own. It's on a separate server. It'll never get blocked by iOS, right? And that, it's, it's not just an iOS thing. Or it's, whatever. I mean, first party data is protected, which is the important part, right? So it can still get transmitted. I don't want to say never because who knows what direction we're going in this thing. But but yeah, that that's something that is uh, less at risk right now, absolutely, than like the just the, the pixel itself. And the pixel itself is more at risk of just being blocked by browser changes yep. that are coming, right? So with the first party data from the API, Super easy if you have certain integrations, WooCommerce, Shopify, just like a checkbox, make sure you turn this on, pass it via the API as well. That's the web version of the API. But it's if you don't have that type of platform, it's like an e-commerce platform, you probably don't have that type of integration. It's, again, it's frustrating because there isn't one way to do things. Right. I, I wish there's just one streamlined integration that Meta says, turn this on and it's on. That's just not the case. My preferred method is the API gateway for the web version. The API gateway, because it will piggyback off of any pixel event setup that you've created. Right? I, I use Google Tag Manager to manage my pixel. When I use the API gateway, it sees all those events that have happened and it passes it from a separate Amazon server. So the one issue with the API gateway is it can be expensive. This is what I originally set up and because that Amazon server, anyone who's had to pay for Amazon servers are upwards of 80 to hundred dollars per month. And if you don't have the traffic for it, and I even have decent traffic, but after a while, I was like, I really want to be paying 80, hundred dollars a month for this. It becomes a lot. So there are other solutions too for the API gateway. And one that I wrote about recently was STAPE. S-T-A-P-E. Right. Okay. S-T-A-P-E. I get nothing from STAPE. I was just super happy to discover this because it's $10 a month instead of $80 to $100 a month. And it does the same thing. And so then it sends a much more complete. And, it, and it's funny is like in between, like after I abandoned the Amazon server with the gateway to moving to STAPE, I was using Facebook's free Pixel plugin which if you got to use something, use that. Like if you don't know what, you, what you're going to use and you're looking for a solution, just use something. And so it's never ideal to use a plugin for that because it's going to slow down the website and all that kind of stuff. As you know, Mike, with plugins. What I noticed immediately once I set up the gateway again, this time using Stape, is the number of events being passed via the API increased, which is important for the purpose of attribution. Just so we're clear, is STAPE something that you, a piece of code you add in Google Tag Manager or, cause I think you told me it was really simple, right? Like how does it work? It's super simple. Yeah, so STAPE is just a separate application. How does it get in the data off your website into the thing? You know, there must be some plugin or something, right? Basically you have to do an integration with Meta through the pixel, right? So, so like you're, you're basically doing a login from Meta so it gets access to your business manager and to your page and to your pixel and it gets all that. And then um, there are some updates to your DNS, right? Um, that's that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. DNS. Yeah. DNS records. Okay. Yep. Right, right. DNS records to work with STAPE and all that. This is kind of over my pay grade. Yep. You didn't have to add anything. You didn't have to add nothing to Tag Manager at all? No. It, it, seriously, the bulk of my time was spent creating logins 
is I had to create a login both for Stape and for the API gateway because the API gateway is what is owned by Meta. And then just like going through the approval screens. Got it. With that integration. And it was insanely easy. Very cool. Um, and not, almost too easy. So if someone who's not super technical is listening right now, I'm going to try to summarize what John just said. Basically, there's this first party data that is really important for Meta to be able to adequately track your conversions and your attributions so it can know it's doing the right thing, right? And the old way of doing it was really complicated. The new way of doing it is to use a tool like Stape and just follow a bunch of prompts and bada bing, magically somehow that data, that first party data is passed from your website into the APIs using this intermediary tool. Is that, is that the essence of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, and Stape also does have integration with the Google servers too. So if you want to use that, you have that too. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a Stape no. representative or anything. That's cool. So whether it's Stape or there are, that's, that's kind of the struggle here. There are a million different ways to do it, but that's, that's the one I'm favoring these days. John, first of all, thank you for providing answers to all the crazy questions I asked you today. I know that a lot of marketers that are using, you know, Facebook, Meta are probably like unsure about the changes. And I think you provided a lot of insights and guidance to them. If people want to connect with you, do you have a preferred social? And then also if they want to check out your Power Hitters Club or the other stuff you've got going on, where do you want to send them? The preferred social is a difficult question these days. But the main things I would say is no matter where you're at, at John Loomer, okay. unless Facebook. Facebook is at John Loomer Digital, but everything else is at John Loomer. And you'll get a lot of the same content, most of them, especially if it's video that you're looking for. But johnloomer.com is probably the best place to go because you can get access to everything I do there. But beyond that, yes, I mean, look, I've got a ton of free content. Subscribe to my newsletter at johnloomer.com slash newsletter, and you'll be up to date on everything. If you want even deeper engagement to a private community, kind of my baby is the Power Hitters Club Elite. I've been running that for several years now. It's a, a group of advanced advertisers where we you know, we have weekly meetings. I have weekly webinars that I share with them. They get access to all my training. I love it, honestly. johnloomer.com slash PHC dash elite for that specific community. John, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with us today. Thanks so much. It's been fun to be back, Mike. It's been fun. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 596. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may your marketing keep evolving. Catch you next time. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.